this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Ben, I'm sick. I need a cocktail. Well, I've got some uh, some gin and orange juice. That work for you? Not as good as beer. I don't have any. No, I'm, I, you know, you relate to the pod today, man. Like, this is like the sixth time it's happened in a row. Like, they they want me to fire you from the pod. What about Kevin B. Bangin? What's for, he doesn't need to get fired? <laughs> no, he's on time every time, and he doesn't come in, you know, reeking of cocktails. Straight gin. Yeah. If you haven't figured it out, we're talking bringing out the dead on the pot of dreams. Six two young is here, baby. <laughs> and I'm going to take care of you. Thursday started out with a bang. <laughs> Heat, humidity, moonlight, all the elements in place for a long weekend. I was good at my job. There were periods when my hands moved with the speed and skill beyond me. have you been doing this five years wow you must have seen some things huh but in the last year i'd start to lose that control i've been seeing the ghosts you ever notice people who see things are always crazy mm-hmm. i just needed a few slow nights followed by a couple of days off Double shooting, 41st and 8th. What happened to chest pain, difficulty breathing, fractured hands? Don't even slow down, just keep on moving. Nobody loves me, Chris. You have the power, Jesus, not to spare this worthless man. Rise up! Damn, you guys are good. I'm on my way out. Anytime now. Nobody gets fired, son. Look at me. <laughs> you swore that you'd fire me if I came in late again. You swore it before. I'll fire you tomorrow. Old man's a bus driver, mom a nurse. Sort of born to it, I guess. Rule number one, don't get involved with patients' daughters, you understand? Our mission, to save lives. Blast off! Help others and you help yourself. That was my motto. I understood how crazy it was to think this way. Then something good will happen. Everything just glows. Here's to the greatest job in the world. Frank! Are you okay? Never felt better in my life. How are you? I'm good. Good. You can't wish Hey everybody, welcome to the Pod of Dreams. If you listen, we will pod. Uh, I'm Ben along with Kevin and Eric. And today we're talking Bringing Out the Dead, but how are you doing, fellas? Hey Ben, doing great. Thank you. Eric, quiet. Church <laughs> I'm, mouse. I'm, bar- I'm barely alive riding through this uh, ambulance we call life. <laughs> sure. Aren't we all? So, nice segue. Bringing Out the Dead. I want to get everybody's preliminary thoughts about this movie because this movie this movie fascinates me i picked it well for a couple of reasons i saw an article which nicholas cage thought this would be one of his movies and one of martin scorsese's movies that's most due for like a reevaluation and will be remembered much better later on and it's just underappreciated and that's kind of true this is the second time i've seen the movie the first time i watched it was i don't know, maybe a decade ago and I saw it, I liked it, but then I just like completely forgot about it. And it just doesn't get talked about. I mean, you've got the the big hitters, Taxi, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Casino. Later stuff gets talked about, but this one just feels like it just completely fell by the wayside in Martin Scorsese's oeuvre. Uh, and it's also a movie I have trouble kind of like processing my thoughts about it. I mean, it's clearly not a crappy movie or anything, but it's like, there's stuff going on in it, and I'm, it's just one I, I need some help parsing through. So I wanted to talk about it. But Kevin, why don't you? So from last two weeks ago, you hadn't seen Bring Out the Dead before. Oh, you I saw, saw it, the theater. I saw it, it. Yeah, 25 years ago. Oh wow! And I was surprised upon second viewing how much I remembered of it from 25 years ago. If you had asked me if I anything about the movie, I would have just said Patricia Arquette was in it. 
and Nick yeah. Cage. That was all I remembered. But watching the movie, I remembered it. And then I I still, maybe like you, I vacillate between this being a, a okay movie and a great movie. It's weird. I Yeah. I have a hard time picking where it should fall. Right. And what about you, Eric? This was you just watched a month and a half ago for the first time ever? Yeah, I watched it. It was, yeah, a few months ago. I'd never seen it before. It, it was leading into, you know, Scorsese had uh, a movie coming out this year, Killers of Flower Moon. I was like, I, I need to rewatch some Scorsese movies. And I watched, like, uh, Shutter Island was one. Fucking loved that movie. And then I watched this, and I was, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as, like, man, there's, like, some really great things about this movie, but it also has no plot. And I don't quite know. I mean, I know, I know there's things, things that it's about, but I don't know what the movie's about. If, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Sure. Uh, I think like, there's probably like a lot of subtext potentially, but I mean, it's like every Scorsese movie, there's stuff about religion, right. And faith. Oh, heavy. Yeah, heavy <clears throat> but this movie, like, I, I think, you know, just thinking about it after watching it, I didn't really like rewatch it again. I, I watched clips and because I just just watched it, and it like the stuff. Basically, this movie to me seems like about drugs. The whole thing is about drugs. Like he, he, even his job as an ambulance driver, he treats it like it's like it's like crack. You know, he like hates it, doesn't want to do it, and then once he stops, he's like, I gotta do this shit again. And which is like basically what a drug addict. Yeah, he's is, chasing the know? high then, of saving somebody, right? Like he says he's high and he feels incredible. But he, it's the best feeling in the world. He never really saves anybody. Well, we're seeing him during yeah. a down spell. He says it after the fact. We catch him in the middle of a really intense dry spell of he hasn't saved anybody. Although I don't know what he means by that because he saves people in this movie, but it doesn't count. You know, like the drunk homeless guy, he saves him, quote unquote, but I mean, not really. I don't know what he means by save. You talking but, about I mean, Mr. O? Yes, Mr. O, the stinky Mark drunk. Anthony. Fucking Mark Anthony, right? Isn't that yeah. him? He, no, he's uh, Noel. Oh, I thought Mark Anthony was the homeless guy that wanted to kill himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know who Mark Anthony is, Ben? The, are you talking about the musician, right? So, like, we're getting yeah, people he was mixed like a, up. He was married to Jennifer Lopez and... Noel is the guy asking for water that wants to kill himself. And that's who Kevin's talking yeah. about. Mr. O is the alcoholic guy who's a oh. smaller part than Noel. Is who Picture I'm Shark. Talking. Okay. All right. Okay, yeah, sorry. You, you, you know, it's all good. That's fine. I mean, there, there's a lot about human suffering in here. And people that are forgotten and overlooked and not seen, right? Some people seem to call or engage with the paramedics. They want to be seen, and that seems to be part of what's going on. Like, they just, they're overlooked, they're ignored, they're the forgotten drift-offs of society. Uh, I think that's going on in it. But, no, I think the drug metaphor makes a lot of sense, because, I mean, he does talk about how good it feels. And you see Ving Rhames, right, saves a baby boy, and he's fucking nuts. He just becomes a full-on lunatic starts slamming booze and just speeding down the street crazily. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And there's all the religious stuff. And I wonder if I were smarter in more time. I mean, we see it's got, it's divided by three different nights where Nick Cage is with three different, like, like the three wise drivers. I, I was thinking more. Well, maybe I was thinking like John Goodman seems like he's more like the pragmatist. His goal is to someday, like I'm just making money and I'm going to be done with this. And then there's, was it Tom Sizemore's the nihilist? He's like everything oh, sucks. Tom Fuck Sizemore, hard hardcore nihilist. And then Ving Rhames have a tougher time putting. He's almost like a hedonist. I don't really know. He's got a different, but you could almost like pick a different philosophy about su- like suffering and the human condition with each one potentially. I think there's that going on, but um, yeah. Um, so I mean, Kevin, I because you it, we're all kind of just struggling with this movie. It's crazy how quickly I forgot it because there's times where I'm just thinking. I was watching this like this movie is great. Why do I forget about it? Why did I? Why is it not talked about more? And then there's times where it's just like it doesn't seem to land, and I can't quite put my finger on it. But are there parts of this, from your perspective, Kevin, that didn't land or weren't working for you? I'm trying to well, get this piece map. Not very much connective tissue between scene to scene. Sure. The overriding thing is is it's Nick Cage, right? So it's kind of episodic. And it's not not strung together with a plot, like Eric was saying. So it kind of makes it hard to really remember 
especially the specific order of events. Yeah, it's kind of like its own drug trip, really. You know, it's hazy. You can't really remember what's happening. You know, I, I don't. To me, this movie is like a, a lot of Scorsese movies for me, where I, I, I love, like, I love how it's made. There's so many like rear view mirror scenes where you're looking up at the mirror and the street looks insane. Like, like it's a, it's amazing to look at. And almost every Scorsese movie is that, but somewhere along the line, like like we talk about, we talked about um, uh, the boxing movie. Uh, that to me is the same thing. Like it looks cool, it's it's super intriguing, but something I I can't connect with it like personally. And talk about Raging Bull. Raging Bull, yeah, absolutely, okay. and. I mean, some of his movies, I think, are, like, flawless. Like, Killers of the Flower Moon, I thought was, like, absolutely a perfect movie. And Wolf of Wall Street, perfect. Perfectly done. Goodfellas. But then some of his movies, like Casino, I, I have a hard time connecting with that. And this is kind of in that same boat for me. It's like, I think it's great and amazing, and there's so many incredible lines, and the cast is amazing. But the there's the just something... Like, oh, my God, the cast is just... Yeah, and Nick Cage oh, gives yeah. a great performance too. He's amazing. He's, he's amazing. amazing. This is like and he's not dialed up. No, he's he, I not. Mean, some, sometimes he is. Sometimes a he little gets bit, but he's fairly muted he's by Nick Cage standards. Yeah. Like he's pretty. Yeah, it's not face nuanced. off Nick Cage. No, yeah. <laughs> or Con Air. No, it's not any of this. That's interesting. I, I want to. I think. I think I want to like this movie more than I do, but I. I can't figure out why still because there's so much like, going on with the religious stuff so much going on with drugs and the drugs called red death and there's just something happening in oasis and deserts and salvation and witnessing that's happening and i can't i just it's too ephemeral and i can't put my finger on it but it fascinates me but like silence is another one of those movies like i just can't oh. connect with that subject matter just i don't care about it you know yeah see and i in an article I was looking at, I mean, Scorsese did this movie because he, he's in awe of paramedics. And it's true, like, it's an insane job. I mean, you think of doing it, how difficult it would be to be a paramedic. Yeah. It seems, especially, like, the night shift just crazy, and it would be The really, night really shift awful. in New York City in that time frame, like, would have been probably the most challenging job you could, like, ever imagine. You know? Yeah, the pre-Giuliani years, those were probably really tough. Yeah, before it, America's mayor came in and cleaned things up. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. It, and so he's in awe, and he's got reverence for him. But there's also like this silliness sometimes. It doesn't quite land. It's tough. Like tonally, is part of this is the episodic thing. It's like I just the tone oscillates because there's times where it feels like we're in broad comedy. We mentioned before we started recording. There's a scene with Ving Rhames who they're there. There's a guy who's OD'd on heroin at a club. And Ving Rhames, I think he's just pretending, or maybe he's really religious, but just to, to fuck with these guys, he pretends to be, like, reaching out to the Lord for help, while Nick Cage secretly, you know, gives him the whatever Narcan, Narcan or whatever or does. Yeah, yeah, that undoes it. And it's kind of funny and goofy, but it's totally so bizarre, because then the next scene, well, not the next scene, but the next trip is to go where there's a woman who's pregnant, and allegedly a virgin, you know, I assume she's been making some side deals for drugs, but whatever. And we see like a baby is born. And there's two babies. The second one is like a stillborn and it doesn't make it. And it's like horrifying. And you're seeing him just yeah, try to keep this big running going. there. Yeah. Trying and it's to like give serious it, uh, and brutal. And the tone, it's so jarring tonally, like goofy goth drug addict coming back to that and I, that's part of what you would probably experience as a paramedic is is that tonal shift but it's jarring as a viewer i don't know that's... well i think i think nick cage adds to that because that is what he is right he he's goofy as shit right in most of his movies it's hard to take him seriously at all but sometimes he can be a fucking amazing actor and i th i think it's I, I honestly i think nick cage is the wrong person for this movie even though I think he does a great job, I just think he's the wrong person for it.
So who would the right person be, you know, circa 98 or whenever this is filmed? Well, like, I mean, obviously De Niro, he's maybe a little old for that role, but like he, he yes. would have, I think he would, he would have maybe understood the, the role a little better. I don't know. I think we would have had a taxi problem with uh, De Niro driving through the streets. I mean, yeah. I, I, I had visions like the contrast to, you know, there's a lot of scum on the street. I was just thinking of, like, when I watched Bring Out the Dead of De Niro picking people up and talking about how much there's scum and filth everywhere and how dark and jaded he is versus, you know, Nicolas Cage is at least a little bit more optimistic and less hateful. I mean, he talks about how most of the time his training isn't all that useful and it's just that he's witnessing these people die. Um, so I, I don't know. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough role. I don't know who would be good for it. I, I don't know. It's... It's tough. You think you just try to imagine some unknown person they could sink the landing. Oh, like Daniel it's, Day Lewis. Well, sure. There's not a role <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis couldn't do, I guess. But he hadn't hooked up with Scorsese. That was the next movie. That was Gangs of New York. Coming after. That's this. another one. Like I just don't connect with that movie. Something about it. Like on paper, that should be like my favorite movie ever, and it just doesn't land with me. I don't enjoy watching it. That's interesting. I haven't seen it in a long time. I enjoyed it the first time, but I don't. I like. I'm certainly not going to put it in the pantheon of great Scorsese movies. You know, um, that's interesting. But there's times where I sometimes feel like, okay, we've kind of hit this ground a little bit before. We're not necessarily new. I mean, I like The Departed, but I don't. I mean, comparing that to his other crime movies, it just doesn't hold up. Love it's that not movie. Good. Uh, <laughs> see, that's the difference. Is I absolutely love that movie. Oh, so I think uh, it's it's fun, but I think uh, we're it's already kind of. A version of what we've already done before. Yeah, I'm so with Ben on that one. It's like, okay, you, you got it. You, you made a good movie, but it's, this is, like, different. I mean, and this is when Scorsese was, like, super weird. I mean, he had Age of Innocence, like, six years before this, which is a, like, Victorian, I don't know, it's not Victorian era, but I don't know, it's like a period piece starring Daniel Day-Lewis. So I actually had worked with Daniel Day-Lewis already. Um, yeah, know. there you go. Get it right. That's well, fine. I would have I would have loved to see Daniel Day-Lewis in this role. He'd do great in any role. I don't know. He's just one of those guys. It'd be hard. I guess he a broad comedy he'd be terrible at. Maybe I don't know. Maybe even then he'd be good. But what what do you guys think was Ving Rhames's character's deal in this movie? Like just I, to come in and just blow the movie up, you know? He was showing a different way of coping. A right. way of, he took on religion as his way of battling the ghosts that Nick Cage couldn't couldn't defeat in this movie or at least yeah I think I think the three guys he rides with like you said Kevin all had different methods of dealing with the trauma yeah. that they experience on a daily basis I mean he was he was a cocksmith right didn't he say it <laughs> cocksman I'm a true cocksman I don't mix the C See, that's where you get, like, because his energy was just so, like, broadly saying, comic. I only touch white women when I'm holding them down for the police or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. What about rule number three? Don't go on a date with the dispatcher, whatever her name is. Um, Love. No, that's right. And Wasn't that Queen Latifah? Yeah. Dispatcher? The other dispatcher was Scorsese was, himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's tough. Cause I, yeah, he does the religious stuff, but he's also like, I don't know. He gets, he gets drunk and he's, I don't know. He's goofy. And I don't know. I had trouble taking him seriously. And the, the shades guy was interested to it. I guess this is a small disappointment for me. We kept hearing shades was the guy in the ER who had, you know, he's sunglasses and he kept saying, don't make me take my sunglasses off. Like, you're not going to like, you're not gonna, like, I, we never, he never takes his glasses off. I thought, at some point, he would take them off and have to do something crazy, but he never does. He says, just don't make me take my sunglasses off, and he never does. It was, that was a disappointment for me. <laughs> I was hoping, like, shit would go down. I mean, I don't know. The the ER, and the ER itself is horrifying. I mean, it's awful. I don't know if that's what the ER was like in the early 90s and uh, whatever yeah, borough th- we're in. Part of the movie, too, was, like, just criticizing our healthcare industry, like, how fucking stupid it is, and, you know, like, sending these people back out to just get sick again and come back. Like, it's, it's just a complete... Because, cr- like, Scorsese loves to 
criticize institutions, right? Like Wolf of Wall Street is 100% just digging in on how awful our financial industry is. And, you know, the police, he's always criticizing that um, the religion. Like, like he just likes to do that. And I, I think this movie, a lot of it is just showing how awful our healthcare system is for, for, for the disadvantaged people of the city, right? The people that aren't well, well off and wealthy and have good insurance. People have to go to the ER to get any kind of care. So I, I think a lot of it is just showing how like shitty it is to try to get some health care. Yeah. Well, they talk about the system of like, Noel couldn't stay, wasn't in prison. So now he's just causing trouble. And they just kind of babysit him. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, we see the, the same characters over and over again. Um, it just looks like a nightmare. But yeah, those are the people who, who have no other option but to go to the ER, so the ER is just overcrowded and just royally screwed. It's brutal. I do think the Patricia Arquette piece kind of slows the movie down. Because like, it's like, they don't have... Do they, do they ever romantically connect? They don't, right? They're... She and Nick Cage, I wouldn't say they fall in love, would it's, you? It's romantic. No. What do you think, Kevin, though? I mean, I... Well, after after he murders her dad, they have a moment, it seems. Yeah, I think we build up to it. I mean, it's a, a slow burn. I mean, I, and maybe the takeaway is that his way of coping is, is connecting with other humans. I don't know. But there's a scene where they're in the back of the ambulance... He's giving her a ride home. Or he's getting a ride home, I, I think, or something like that. But they're both sitting back and they're getting jostled around. And there's like this awkward first date silence where nobody's saying anything. And they're just looking at each other, kind of smiling, and trying not to get jostled. And that to me is like, oh, there's some burgeoning intimacy here. They never have sex or anything, but his interest yeah. doesn't seem platonic to me. And she seems... 10,000 maniacs is playing in the background. Right, exactly. That's exactly right. Um... It's like so. It, it feels like there's a, a romantic arc. It's just yeah. It's subtle. It's it's small. It's short. I think they wanted to give us a reprieve from the craziness. But you think maybe Eric, we should have had just more craziness and less. Just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it really doesn't ultimately tie into the. I mean, I guess it is sort of the. There's this. It seems like there was this side story about her and her dad that. You know, he was in the hospital, and then we just, like, kept coming back to it, you know? Well, that's the through line of the movie, is he goes to save the dad, and he sort of saves him, depending on how you define save. Like, he keeps his body alive, barely, and then ends up killing him in the end. So, depending on how you define save, he saved him, but then he really saved him in the end by letting him die. That's the main That's the main through line. That's your only narrative arc, really, because, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just a series of these sequences of all these Well, there's crazy the Red Death, things. and... And the drug dealer that he befriends, and then the drug dealer falls right. and gets impaled by the wrought iron railing. Well, red, red wine plays, yeah. Yeah. I mean, pause. What are your guys' thoughts on the soundtrack? I mean, Scorsese's had a lot of great soundtracks. Is this, where does this stack up in the all time Scorsese soundtracks? I thought it was a bit on the nose. Uh, okay. For yeah. each choice. Well, I mean, it's of its time too. You know, late '90s kind of tunes. Is the Rolling Stones? Do we get "Give Me Shelter" in this at all? We don't. We get do a different we? Rolling Stones song. I don't remember which one it is, but I think we get a different one, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's set in the early '90s. As opposed, I mean, it came out in '99, but I think it says in the beginning, like this is the early '90s. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I liked it a lot at the time, but then, it, yeah, it, again, like so much of the movie is, it doesn't stick with me. Like, I don't, none of it lingers after I watch it, which is just so yeah. weird. I, I that, this was so weird. So I, I, there's, if you ask me, if we were recording this as I was watching, it'd be like, this movie's, it would be pretty hyperbolic about how great I thought it was. But then, literally, it was the next day I watched this. Was this Saturday? I think maybe, maybe it's Friday or Saturday. By the next day, I was like, oh, yeah, I watched Bringing Out the Dead last night. And it just all started to just immediately flood away. Maybe because there isn't enough narrative, like, bone to hook everything on. I don't know. But at the same time, I just think there's so much in here that, that interests me. I don't know. I'm perpetually stuck with this one. 
what to make of it. You haven't even talked about the guy from The Wire who's in this movie, by the way. Omar? The, Omar from The Omar. Wire, yes. Yeah. I don't think I knew who he, I don't know. I'd, I'd seen The Wire when I watched it the first time. Michael, like, uh, Michael K. Williams, right? Yep. He, he, re- he recently died. He I think he OD'd. Didn't he OD on something? I, I, yes, my wife commented when we were watching. It's like, oh, that's depressing. Yeah. He plays this dealer of Red Death. Um, but it's weird because I can't think of any scene that didn't like work on its own merits. There, like, there are any scenes where, like this falls flat, other than the comedy a little bit. The scene where he's like wanting to get fired. Let's well, clear it's supposed to be comedic because Nick Cage comes in late. His boss says, "Hey, you're late. Like, you know, you're breaking my. I don't know. He said, I don't think he says you're breaking my balls, but that's the implication." And Nick Cage is hoping to be fired. And the whole thing is he's like reassuring his boss, encouraging his boss to fire him. <laughs> the boss says no. And it's comedic, but it doesn't. Uh, that, yeah, that he, he like gives him, gives him vacation time. He's like, all right. I'll, give you, I'll forward you some vacation time. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's comedic. That that scene didn't work for me. But that's like if I if I had to pick a, an absolute like bad scene, that would be the only thing I think is like borderline bad. I mean, can you think of any actual sequences in the movie that are just straight up bad? Like, oh. Uh, I mean, you don't like the pacing of the Patricia Arquette stuff, right? So, like, that slows it down, but you'd prefer more just frenetic insanity strung out. I'm strung out with Nick Cage, which I do get that, but, like, did any of those scenes not work individually? No, no, no they were a... all compelling. Yeah, so you make a good point. They all were compelling. They well, all... I remember, I'm not really trying to convince anybody of anything. I'm, I, I, you could convince me. I, I mean, I'm just, like, Flabbergasted because you know what you know what it is for me. A bad scene, but I think I think this is one of those rare examples where this would work better as like a TV show, where like hmm. each episode he's riding with a different dispatch and he's got some crazy night and you know crazy shit that happens to him. <clears throat> you know he picks up somebody doing because that's what this movie is, right? It's like he goes to the the punk club and Ivy Bangin's there and then. You know Patricia Arquette's dad, like he's just going to these different calls to save people and gets Ooh. into these crazy random things. That like, let's do an episode on that. You know what I mean? Like tonight's the episode he's with Ving Rhames, and the next night's he's with John Goodman. Like, I just wonder if maybe this is like weird, weirdly a better like Netflix show. No, that's or, interesting. Like, prestige TV show. I give you a little more. Yeah. Narrative leeway for each, and then have to have like a like a you know full arc story that's going on at the same time, you know. Sure. I actually like that idea. No, I mean I think this is this helped me understand it a little better. It's almost like it's just bizarre where this movie might in some ways be less than the sum of its parts, which is weird to say because actors are great. Okay, the soundtrack maybe not as good as some of the Scorsese ones, but not out and out awful. You know, performances good scenes individual scenes work but like just just the package together somehow it just doesn't work yeah and the um, screenplay was written by this guy who wrote taxi driver so he obviously yeah. has worked well with martin before and that's like you, it, you're not a marty guy you don't call him marty marty we're not on a first name basis yet after he hears this podcast i think he'll uh, well, I just Marty. he was on Colbert the other night. He's what a delightful human Martin Scorsese is. Like he starts explaining about various scenes and how they came up with the story for Killers, and he's just like so excited. He's like what eighty one something. Like, he's like in his eighties. Yeah, he's like three feet tall. Yeah, amazing well, guy. What a guy. A, he's a movie lunatic. He's just part of the first yeah, just like, loves crop of movies. filmmakers that like have loved movies since they were kids. Pictures. Went he loves making school. pictures. Yeah, went went to film school and like that's it. Like just no doubt this is the only thing I wanted to. Do. There's no no doubt whatsoever. There's no option. This is it. This yeah, is what he, I got to do. He's like I could have never done anything other than this, you know. Right. And, and to think it? he's like he's friends with DiCaprio and like fucking you know, the biggest movie stars in the world. Well, he helps just... bring up DiCaprio a little bit. Sure, like, yeah. I mean, like, Mean Streets is before Godfather uh, Part 2, and I just, yeah. I mean, De Niro's not De Niro without Scorsese. Like, it's, it's, true. it's just never, it doesn't happen. 
that's true. Uh, no, he's he's an absolute legend, and I, there's so much I like about this movie and want to like more. But it, it and it's it's not a risk per se, but it's also when you think like it is a lot different than any movie he'd done before in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's some the the religious stuff is there, and see, I a think lot it's a lot movies. like a lot like Taxi Driver. It reminds me a lot of that movie. I mean. Hmm. Maybe I don't know. You don't have the out and out violence that that movie no. has. It's almost. <sighs> but if Nick Cage had ended this movie where he just went crazy and shot up that drug house himself, it isn't wouldn't it like basically be the same movie? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. This is. It's got more. This one has more goofy comic energy than Taxi Driver has. Because didn't uh, he go there to save Patricia Arquette? Wasn't she? Getting high, right? Yeah, she got high in the in the oasis in size oasis. Yes, but he got high too, and then he had a paradoxical. Yes, he got more stressed out, not less. Um, and even if you medicate, you can still get shot by rival drug dealers. You know, it's not like being chill is any. You know, doesn't doesn't protect you from getting shot up like the. You know, we get the contrast where like Nick Cage is, is so stressed out, and then he gets the woman's pulse. He's like two beats per minute; it's perfect, but she ends up dead just because of kind of random luck. Random well, chance. he he shot the drug. It's implicated that the drug dealer had his bodyguard shoot Omar. Oh, the drug war. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yes, right. So retaliation. Right. Um, got it. Okay. That makes more sense. I guess I didn't cast that piece, but okay, that does make some sense. Um, but yeah, he sort of saves her, but I don't know. I see some similarities structurally, I guess, a little bit. Nick Cage isn't overtly crazy like De Niro's character is in Taxi. I mean, De Niro's character is disconnected from reality, and Nick Cage is almost too connected to reality in like the worst possible way. But I think... I think it would almost work better if we see Nick Cage's character like start out okay, and or, or more okay than he is, and then start like like a Taxi Driver. Travis Bickle doesn't start out like off his rocker. He seems sort of he's a little off, it. but he's sort of there, right? I mean, right, yes, and we watch him. He could devolve. go either way, right? Yeah. Whereas in this movie, Nick Cage comes in, he's already strung out and losing it you know yeah he doesn't get any better or really any worse he's just kind of hanging on he is well he's hanging on is the way to put it he's just barely hanging on and he's just not sure what to do and and then i guess one of the things that threw me off the first time i watched this movie not for the second time is when the ambulance crashes like the first time i saw this was like was that real like he just walks away from the ambulance crash and well he just comes back to work the next day and here's tom sizemore <laughs> like <laughs> yeah like can you imagine after that night and then you gotta get to work the next day and then you just see tom sizemore is like hey buddy <laughs> back back together old times old gang <laughs> yeah. coming back together oh yeah i mean is, is tom sizemore still with us is did he is he still alive he's gone he is died he? god that guy seems like he must have just been the craziest fucking person to be around why was he why was he uh, destroying his ambulance at the end of the movie no idea <laughs> see that's a great question I, there's probably a really interesting ideas you could come up with why but yeah that's not that's not ever explained or addressed we just yeah see nick cage walk by he's like trying to i i mean this is the thing like he says he's tried to kill the ambulance and she keeps on ticking right yeah. Earlier in the movie, so this is just another instance of him wanting to kill the ambulance so that it dies, and maybe he can get a new ambulance or or quit as well. I think and, it's I think it's all the drug thing. It's like you're killing yourself. The ambulance is the self. Well, it could be. And you're 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 basically trying to kill yourself by doing drugs. No, yeah, but does Tom Sizemore do any drugs? I mean, he's no. Just, but the ambulance is the metaphor for the. The body. Okay. The user. The addict. Okay. Ah, see, I feel like there's there's so much stuff that could chew on, but it's yeah, you know, it just it just doesn't doesn't coalesce. It doesn't just come together. Frustrates me. 
I just I want to like this movie more because there's I mean like it is brilliantly shot. I mean all the like it's just it's expertly you know filmed. I just think so many cool little shots everywhere here there just the reactions and then there's just the right little framing in the background it just doesn't work. Um, Can we talk about the father that has the heart attack at the beginning? Of course, please. Is, no, is, no, I'd rather not. <laughs> is he? Is he supposed to? In the movie, it's it's suggested that he doesn't really is not supposed to get better, and he's just kind of going to be a vegetable. But at some points in the movie, they talk about how he's actually doing better, and I'm wondering is is there a point where he we know he's not going to get better, and that it was a mercy killing. Because Nick Cage is crazy because he's hearing voices. Yeah, he can't sleep. He's like an insomniac, so he's starting to lose it. Um, I mean, that's a good question. What do you think, Eric? I don't, yeah, I, I guess I don't have an answer. Um, I mean, I think he, I think Nick Cage has murdered him. Yeah. Right? Like well, He does. Yeah, but I, I think there was because they were shocked, right? Weren't the doctors like, "Wait, this isn't this is almost like a miracle that he, didn't his, he had some brain function or he could he was responding?" That's what it seemed like, but it could have yeah. just been brainstem function. But also, like, what wasn't like Kevorkian big around that time in the nineties? Like some euthanasia. Yeah, that idea of that was like a big thing in the pop culture. You know, is that, can you do that? Is that not only just legally, but morally okay to end someone's life? Well, yeah, I don't know, Kevin, that we're, my my guess is that we don't have enough in there to, to know with any degree of certainty that he might get better or could get better. I don't, I mean, I don't think it's very clear, like, yeah, there's. I mean, I think he is. At some point, you got to make the call. Um, but I guess I kind of got the the impression that it seemed highly unlikely he would get better. I mean, he he hears the dad's voice in his head, and you got to assume Nick Cage is crazy. But also, he was coded dead like 17 times, and they just keep bringing him back with defibrillator. So it's without all this intense medical intervention. Yeah, but at the alive. same time, that's contrasted by Tom Sizemore basically killing Noel and Nick Cage having to resuscitate him and bring him back to life. So I'm not sure what Nick Cage is up to. Well, I'm not sure Nick Cage's character knows what he's up to, really. Um, but I get the impression that Noel could get better physically. Like, he wasn't brain dead or having those issues where he was like legally dead for 10 minutes like Patricia Arquette's dad. So he did in fact save him in a couple of senses, you know, kept Tom Sizemore from murdering him and also like kept him alive, did the mouth to mouth, kept him from being out for 10 minutes and got him. But I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of muck in this movie that's tough to sort out like that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess I interpreted that we were supposed to view it as he was doing an honorable kindness, the family could move on with the father's death and he could, the father could stop suffering. I guess I kind of took the psychic connection with the, the father at face value that it, it, he was getting the actual sense of what the dad wanted, but I mean, who knows? I don't know. Well, Patricia Arquette's character does say he hated being tied up and he wouldn't even go to the dentist. Right, that's true. So, it definitely and, wouldn't be something that he'd want. Yeah, I don't know. It, that that again was like my least favorite part of the movie was that <laughs> whole plot line and the the continue to come back to this vegetable guy. Didn't love it. I did. It was. I was like, all right, part. just kill him. Like, let's move on. I was like, can we just get one shot of this guy? for the next th- two and a half hours would be ideal for me. <laughs> but that was the ending of the movie. That was like the dramatic arc was him making the decision to euthanize him. And I, yeah, I, I think we're supposed to interpret it 
as as a kindness. I guess I knew that he was doing a, a good service and a good deed, but I guess other people could disagree. I don't know. Remind me a little bit of the ending of Million Dollar Baby. I mean, that's obviously a very different movie in a lot of ways, but that's with the what's her face getting put down because she's Hillary Swank. There we go. Yes. Well, there's a movie I never want to watch again. <laughs> and next oh, week, Million Dollar Baby. Maybe. That's for sure winner. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, that, we seem to be sort of hovering around the same around yeah. uh, review wise. I guess. I, I give this movie a three and a half out of five is where I'm at. I mean, I you can convince me it's a three, you can convince me it's more, but it's like it's so well made that I want to give it at least that. But it just doesn't doesn't hit the great movie. It just doesn't lock in. It just doesn't click. It just doesn't quite work. Um, what about you guys? That is exactly where I landed. I was going to say that before you. Three and a half stars. It's it could be a mid middling movie when i think about it sometimes it's a great movie when i think about it but overall three and a half stars so roger ebert gave it four stars so yeah. four out of four perfect yeah, rating a for big him. Fan. i do this thing when i watch a movie like i i'll i don't know did, are you guys on letterbox do i even know that um i'm not on letterbox i probably should I, but i'm not i'll actually log the movie like right away and usually my like initial like 10 minutes in it's usually kind of how it stays. Yeah, you're guy, you're <laughs> a guy like if I I know within the yeah. first thirty seconds whether this what kind of movie this is. Sure. Sometimes I'm wrong, but sometimes sometimes it's right. And this movie, thirty minutes in, I'm like four and a half stars, like fucking perfect movie. And then as I watched it, and got, <laughs> I it was like dropping it lower and lower and lower. I think I ended up at like three and a half, four, you know, in that range or whatever. But see, that's uh, fascinating. It was almost exactly the same. There's was like this movie yeah. is great. Right. Why, yeah. why? Like, this is so great. Why? Why do I not like this movie so well? And then by the end, yeah, it just kind of, hmm, I don't know. It's not any one thing. It just doesn't quite all work together. So yeah, I feel like we're on the same page. I mean, it's worth watching. I think there's some really compelling stuff, but it, it just, it just, it is. You can say it, relative, relatively minor Scorsese. You know, I just, I couldn't. There's, you just got so many better movies. Uh, that, that yeah. are obviously that lock in, that linger in with you. Wolf of Wall Street is one I rewatched a while ago, and it's like, yo, it's great, and then it, it it just it lingers. I think about that movie after I watch it. I'm just it's like rattles around my brain. That's a movie. The first time I saw it, and it will have to do that eventually. But like, I didn't get, I didn't get it. I, honestly, I didn't. I, my my brain did not comprehend what the story they were telling. And the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is just 100% a comedy. He hates every one of these people. And that's, you know... And then once I... my Like, mindset was caught up to that. I was like, this is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> you know, it's like, what an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. well, dark comedies are weird. I mean, because I know we, you and I have talked where, but, like, it's protagonists. Usually you're supposed to like them, and they're the hero. Yeah. And it's weird where you center a movie around a character... That's ultimately awful. It's a takeaway that it's awful, but it's still entertaining. And we did that Killer, with Raging Bull too. Killers like, of the Flower Moon is a lot like that as well. Yeah. It's like, it's tough. It can be tough to have a, a movie where the main character is is the bad guy, really. But it's not overt about it. It's all just there, and they just aggregate some of the performance. But yeah, you know, I'd love to talk about Wall Street. I love that movie. Um, but okay, three and a half stars. Yeah, I can see why Nick Cage likes this movie so much, though. He's in it. Almost all the way through, I That's can't true. really think is of a the, scene. Yeah, is there a scene him. he's not? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he gives a, a hell of a performance too, so I can see why it's one of his favorites. Boy, the night Nick Cage in the '90s, holy shit, was he just on top of the world then? Yeah. Hey, he had, he had Oscar gold to parade around. Uh-huh. Did he only win the one with for leaving Las Vegas? I think that's his only win. Yeah. Never seen a- that movie. Uh, it's great, but it's depressing. It's I mean, you want to be a, as hell. You wanna, yeah, you want to be bummed out. Watch that movie. It's 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 he a doesn't leave in in a in a physical sense, I guess. I oh, really, I heard it's got a happy ending. Oh, <laughs> maybe we're we talking it's about it's great. It'll movie? it'll give you a fresh zest for life watching that movie. And that's not it's, a subtle it's like performance. Million dollar baby. Bring, bring out the watching dead. Watching him is, drink himself to death. Yeah, it's it's bonkers. The whole movie is a big drunken messy haze. Um. Okay. Well, bring out the dead. 
worth a watch, I think, but it's probably not going to live up to the legend that is Martin Scorsese. Shouldn't the movie be called, like, The Ambulance? That was a movie that came out. Yeah, Jill Hall movie. Was that a Michael, Michael Bay? Bay? Oh, God. Yeah, I, okay. I really, I actually saw that in the theater. <laughs> yeah, how I was it? Uh, it was all right. It was all right. Okay. It's very, it's a lot of drone shit, like drone filming. Oh. It's just like drones flying like constantly. Uh, so that sounds kind of annoying. Um, yeah, it was. If a it's Michael annoying. Bay, it's probably overdone. Yeah, I'm just yeah. guessing. Slow motion drones constantly. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll close the ambulance door and crash it. We'll go take our cocktail of whatever the hell we yeah. can find. Yeah, we'll code this one. Call it. All right. So the next movie I'm doing, right? I'm picking the movie. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. You're <laughs> okay. next on the cycle, my, my friend. All right. All right. So I'll give a couple clues, five clues. You guys jump in, try to guess it. And that's what we're watching next. Uh, all right. So this movie was released in 1992. That's the year that this was. So we're staying in the 90s. Unforgiven. No. It's not Unforgiven. Uh, the movie was uh, directed. The director of the movie. What this was the first uh, directorial debut by this filmmaker. Well-known filmmaker. No. But this is their. This is the director's first film. What? Okay. Uh, this movie won best action sequence at the MTV Movie Awards that year. Very okay. credible award show. <laughs> I try to think of what was cool enough with kids in 1992 that I would have been able to win best action sequence. El Mariachi. Nope, but I like that movie. I like Desperado more, but uh, it's not that. That's a good guess. Um, it was. It also was nominated for best visual effects at the Academy Awards, but it didn't win. That's not the another clue. Just throwing that in there. Um, all right, so this is the third movie in a film franchise. It's fascinating. Third movie in a franchise. Not the Batman movies. We're off there. It's forever is after that. Too late right. for the Superman movies. Go ahead. Yeah, this last, this last clue will give it away if I if I give it to you. So, I mean, I'm. I'm... Be ready to chime in. It Wait, starts Sigourney it... Weaver. Alien three. Three. Correct. David Fincher. Okay. Yep. I'm excited. I've never seen this movie, so this is. Uh... I I only I've only seen it one time, and it was I rem- so it came out in '92. I was ten years old. I, I very vividly remember trying to convince my parents to let me go see it. It's rated R. Were you successful? No. No. I they saw it in the theater, me... and it was very dark. I yep. remember it being well, very, very dark. Aliens was such a huge movie for me around that time. I mean, it was like, watched it constantly and, and loved everything about that movie. And then this came out and was like, I want to go see this. And my parents were like, no, you can't. It's rated R. So then, I, you know, we rented it, which my parents rarely ever did. Like, I saw shit I shouldn't ever have seen at a young age. But and they, I remember, like, thinking, did not understand it, because it was not, you know, Ripley just saying, shut up, bitch, to the alien and smashing it with an exo- exoskeleton suit. So it's very different from what I remember. But, yeah, so Fincher, uh, interesting filmmaker, uh... I don't know if you guys saw the killer that came out on Netflix, but I thought seven is right after. Yep. Mm, Fight club and so and Alien, like it's Alien, is one of the greatest movies ever made, and Aliens is also one of the greatest movies ever made. So you figure you go Ridley Scott into James Cameron into to uh, David Fincher, like can you do any better than those three? Now, is this one of those multiple versions of it? Is this like, is there a Fincher cut well, versus the studio cut? I don't know. It's actually Alien to the Third, 
It's not Alien 3. It's like Alien to the Power Alien of 3. Alien Cubed? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, David Fincher won't even talk about this movie, so I doubt he's ever even revisited it. I don't know. It's on Hulu. I do know that much. I'm going to watch the version on Hulu. So. Okay. okay. I'll watch that version, too. That's fine. I can watch that one just so we're all on the same one. So, yeah, I do remember vaguely hearing, like, since there is, like, a assembly cut where somebody tried to reconstruct David Fincher's original. Yeah, I prank. think famously it was fucked with, right? Like, he By made student, it. And they, yes. He yeah, made his version. Yeah. So he's like, nope. And they chopped it up. And he's like, right. screw you guys. That's yeah. not my movie. I'm walking away. And then other people, not David Fincher, tried to, tried to get as close to his vision as they could. Yeah. I think is what it sounds like. Okay. Sounds awesome. Well, I'm excited. That's uh, I remember it uh, being a good movie. So this is another one you haven't seen since the theater? That is correct. Oh man, that's exciting. That's a- so this. I mean, I, I the only thing I remember about it is there's a, like a, a baby. That's really the only piece I remember about it. So I feel like I remember like magazine cutouts and stuff. Um, like ads for it, but I yeah I never never seen it, so. And, and uh, from what I remember, it looks a lot like the way the Matrix looks when they're out of the Matrix. Yeah. yeah oh, it's, yes. It's like greenish tints and dark. Yeah, you know. and they're in these like pods and you know sort of spaceships, and everybody's wearing like tore up clothes and. Yeah, yeah. they're they're on a prison planet or something. That's and right. The prison yep. planet has. The prison has actually moved on, and these people are like what's left over from the prison planet that wanted to stay for whatever reason. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I, I, so, I forgot his name, but the Lannister father is in this yep. movie. He's in it. He plays a big part, for sure. Oh, what's yeah. that guy's name? He's in Golden Child as well. T- but yes. Tywin Lannister, well, he- right? Right, yeah, that's his yeah, name. His name is Tywin Lannister. <laughs> so they're gonna cast Tywin Lannister to play Tywin Lannister. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, well, he was like a. Uh, he is was it like Charles Dunst? Does that sound right? Anyway, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just totally off on that. But uh, Char- Charles Dutton, I think he's in that movie. Yeah, from, Charles uh, Dutton is in the movie. Martin or not Martin? He was in. Uh, what show did he have on Fox? Uh, Rock. Yeah, Rock. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was the Charles Dance. I'm right. His name is Charles Dance. I said Dance maybe, oh, but Dance. Okay. Yeah. That's him. He's yeah. He's a he's a great villain. He's also last action he, hero. Yes. There he goes. Yes. He's a he's, yeah. a, he's one of those great villains. Just gets yeah. get typecast, but he is just so menacing and scary and jerkish. So all cool. right. Well, well, this is why well, I love this podcast. Too. I'm now I have a reason to watch Alien Three. It's very exciting. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks later. Talking to you next week.